Bibles, please, this morning, and turn to the epistle of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy in chapter number 1. We'd like to read responsibly eight verses of Scripture, starting in verse number 1, the first six verses of Scripture, and then we'll skip down to verse number 18 and 19 and read those two verses in responsive reading as well. Allow me to begin in verse number 1, and now we'll read the succeeding odd-numbered verses through verse number 5. Read with me verses 2, 4, 6 and 19 responsively, if you would please, and I'll give instruction as we get to our latter verses once again. In regards, in respect to the reading of the Word of God, I want to invite you to stand once again if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, and verses 18 and 19 in reading responsively. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and our, our Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions, Rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. And let's skip down to verse number 18. Allow me to read verse 18. Read verse 19 with me, please. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, According to the prophecies which went on before thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, take your wonderful words this morning and speak to our hearts. I pray for every Christian young man and within the sound of this voice this morning that you would particularly speak to their hearts. And then, Lord, speak as well to each and every person within the sound of this preacher. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. If there be those that need to receive Christ as Savior today, whether man or woman, boy or girl, do the work of grace that only Holy Spirit you can do. We'll be sure to give you all the praise and glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. New Year. 1 Timothy chapter 1 to begin with this morning. For you veterans, you longtime veterans who have been around for the last 10 years or so and longer, you know that we, I've had a format for preaching through the Bible verse by verse. First uh, John, uh, the most recent, of course, Romans, Acts, the book of John, and other books as well. Uh, I want to do a 13 week series, obviously, beginning this morning. On the sixth chapter little epistle of 1 Timothy, we're going to do it a little bit differently. It's an expository message, and I don't expect you to know this, but it'll be an expository series of messages slash topical series of messages. As I was reading this book a couple of months ago, uh, it stood out to me, and I have five specific books in my office on the commentaries on the book of 1 Timothy, and I want to give you just a background, a quick historical sketch of what the book of 1 Timothy is all about in a moment. But I have five different main commentaries, all great commentaries by great expositors of the Word of God, 
But as I was reading through by myself, of course, the six chapters you can do it in probably 20 minutes' time, uh, it stood out to me something very obvious. And verse 2 is our text verse to begin with of chapter 1. And it says, Unto thee, unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith. I noticed that the whole book, section by section, deals with people. Uh, we'll see this morning, we want to look at the young man. Timothy was a young man. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll look at lost men. We'll see in the latter part of the chapter. We'll look at leaders, chapter 2. We'll look at the pastors and deacons in chapter uh, number 3. We'll look at deacons' wives and apostates and older men and widows and young women and ser- servants or common men and rich men. And so next 13 weeks, Lord willing, next 12 Sundays from here, uh, I plan on talking about a different people group. And, and you may not be a young man, ladies, here. You're not a young man for sure if you're a lady. And, uh, but uh, there'll be a, a, a applicable truth for you as well. And uh, each one of these messages will be adaptable, obviously, I believe, to every single uh, person every single week. But specifically, we want to deal with the young men this morning. And uh, I just want to give you a, just again a, a 30 second background to the book of Timothy. First Timothy, obviously, there's a second Timothy. Paul's the writer of this epistle. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of our New Testament. Some say 14, maybe 14 if he wrote Hebrews. This is the second to the last epistle or letter that he wrote in the New Testament. Most Bible scholars feel that this was written about 64, some say 63, some say 65 AD. Now, that's, again, the date is important because 66 AD, a very historical fact that almost every Jew, educated Jew today knows, of course. Titus, the Roman general, came in to Jerusalem and to Judea, of course, and besieged Jerusalem for three and a half years in 66 AD. So this is right prior to this great judgment of the Jewish people. Caligula is the Roman emperor, of course, of the, of the, the, the era, of course, at that time. And of course, Christians and Jews alike are being tortured and, uh, of course, uh, uh, martyred for their faith and being scattered abroad, as Hebrews 1 tells us. And so this is the backdrop to this book of Timothy. It's also one of the three, they're called pastoral epistles. Uh, First, obviously, is this book here. The second, of course, is 2 Timothy. Timothy was Paul's young son in the faith, as we're going to find out. And then, of course, the third pastoral epistle is Titus, the evangelist. And, of course, we have a book, Titus, in our Bible. And so we see this book. We see this Timothy. Now, we know about Timothy, and just, and again, a 30-second bio of who Timothy was. He's from Lystra, what we know of today as Asia Minor, or we know more specifically as Turkey. It's a small town. The ruins are still there today, and, and it's about 90 miles from a, the, the ancient city of Ephesus, where the, the verses here reference Ephesus in a moment. Church history says, and we, have every, we know from the Bible that Timothy was in Ephesus for a good period of time. Church history says that he pastored a church at Ephesus for 30 years, and he was uh, until 97 AD, in which, uh, at which time he was... Uh, he, went up against the idolaters, and they, they had him clubbed, and two ladies later, according to church history, not in the Bible, he died a martyr's death, of course. He was like his predecessor, like his mentor, Paul, who was beheaded. Uh, he too, Timothy, would die a martyr's uh, death for the cause of Christ. But he was a faithful servant of the Lord, as we're going to find out. 
And I want to just give you, and I'm, I'm trying to adjust here just for you long-time veterans. I'm gonna, the outlines are less than they've been, okay? You notice the, 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 the anemic outline that was on purpose, okay? And I, I still have all my little points here, but I but, uh, just want you to get three, three just, just this morning, if you can remember this, three things to know. Christian young men, three things to know for Christian young men. Paul, or rather Timothy, was a young man, and he was Paul's protege, and uh, Paul's, uh, uh, he was, Paul was his study, Timothy's study, and he was coming after Paul, of course, and lived many years after Paul lived. So I want you to notice verse number one as we begin this morning. Paul, an apostle or sent one of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to get too bogged down, but I just want to tell you, for oh, I call you the upperclassmen, you folks that are really digging into your Bible. That phrase, God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, is talking about, it's called the Granville Sharp Rule in the Greek language. It's talking about the same person, uh, the same person. So God our Savior is Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Our hope is built on nothing less than what? Jesus' blood and righteousness. And so he, we have the, the uh, introduction here, of course, and then we have these words, unto Timothy, the Bible's written for all people of all times, God's children, and secondly, of course, but written specifically to Timothy, Timotheus, mine own son, the word son there is the word, by the way, that has to do with a young son or a child, and he was an adult man at this time, no doubt, but my young son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And we get to the first thing that I want you to know about young men, and I'm referring to, so if you're a young man in this room, if you're 20-something, 18, well, how about 18 and older, to let's say 30, you fall in the young man category, okay, this morning here. I'm just, I'm, 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 that's nebulous, I know, but I want you to consider yourself if you fall somewhere in those parameters. But this message is for all, all of you, of course. I want you to notice verse number three. I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. Now, that's dangerous territory. People are killed in Ephesus, Christians especially. He says, I'm beseeching you, I'm begging you to stay in Ephesus, remain faithful in Ephesus. Why, I, when I went into Macedonia, that's what we know of. If you know your European geography, that's upper Greece. Paul says when he went into Macedonia, he left Timothy in Ephesus that thou mightest, notice the next word, charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Notice this morning, number one, just the first thing that every Christian young man needs to know is, to, is simply this, accept a charge. Take the charge. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, look at verse 18. We see the word again. It says, verse 18, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on before thee, that thou mightest war a good warfare. If we were to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.27, we'd see this word charge that Paul used again. Turn just a page or two in your Bible, look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at verse number 13. I want you to see this word in again in its context. 1 Timothy 6.13. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things, and before Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Again in chapter 
2 uh, uh, Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1 and turn two pages in your Bible probably and you'll be there. I had to turn one page in my Bible. 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge thee, he's still talking to Timothy. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick or the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Notice the charge. I want to give a charge this morning to every young man within the sound of this voice, every Christian young man in the sound of this voice. He say, well, what is a charge, preacher? I'm glad you asked. A charge is like an oath. How many military people we have in the room here? How many people served in the military? Raise your hand. Come on, nice and low. High, high, high. Don't be ashamed. You've fought in the greatest army in the, the world, amen? The United States Army. Thank you. You put your hands down. So, Mark, I'll pick on you. I know you were in the Air Force. And... Uh, Mark was in the Air Force, and of course, and I know, now I, I, never did, I never had this oath, but according to the statute number 10, USC number 502, whatever that is, from the United States Armed Forces recruiting manual, or uh, manual, each person listening in the Armed Forces shall take the following oath. And Mark Turner raised his hand, and all, as well as all of you that were in the military, do you remember your oath? It went something like this, and Mark, I'm using your name. I, do you remember it, Mark Turner? (laughs) Did you give your middle name? I don't know, I'm asking the question. Did you have to give your middle name, do you remember? You don't remember, okay. I, Mark Turner, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same in that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the uniform code of military justice. So help me God. And I promise you that that so help me God, our founding fathers intended to be the God of the Bible. And there was an oath that was given to, to defend our country and to obey the orders of their commander in chief, those over you. There was a charge or an oath given. How much more so? We see in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and several other verses, we see this word charge used. That I charge thee before God Almighty and the Lord Jesus Christ that, thou, that you, you do some things. And it's at least three things that, that Timothy was charged with. And I, I want to encourage you, every young man that names the name of Jesus Christ, you're charged with the gift of salvation. You're charged with the gift of salvation. And turn over to 2 Timothy. I want you to see the verse, verse chapter 3. 2 Timothy three fifteen. Now we know about Timothy. Let me give you a 10-second sketch. We know that he was, to use slang language, I'm using slang language, I'm admitting. We might call Timothy, a, he was a half-breed. He was like you and I all, all are. We're, we're used no more slang. We're all mutts. We've got a little bit of this in us, a little bit of that in us. Very few purebreds. Timothy was half Jew, half, half, half Grecian. His dad was Grecian, but his mom and grandmother were Jewish. Lois and Eunice were their names. And they had unfeigned faith, the Bible says. They were godly Christians, but nothing is said about the father we don't know his name. We don't know if he was even a Christian. But Timothy was a, was a Grecian, of course, and, or a half, half Jew, half Greek. And, he, of course, he had to be circumcised in his adult years. And, of course, he became the protege, again, of Paul from Lystra there. And uh, 
So we see this, this gift of salvation. It says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The scriptures, the Bible says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't be saved unless you hear the, the, the word of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that comes to your soul. We, we're talking in Sunday school class about general revelation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The snow that's falling outside right now. Some of you are saying amen. Some of you are saying oh me. But anyhow, back to the, uh, the snow that's falling outside reveals the glory of God. He's a great and mighty God. He, he rules and reigns in the universe. But the word of God specifically, this we call specific revelation, is needed to bring salvation. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the greatest gift that any young man can ever possess is not the gift of your new automobile, not the gift of a new job, or even of your wife or children, and those are great gifts. But the greatest gift that anyone ever receives is the gift of salvation. The Bible says in Hebrews 2, 2 and 3, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Hey, there may be people within the sound of this voice right now, right now, and I'm sure there probably are. I don't know your heart. But you're, you've heard me and you've heard other preachers talk about the need to be saved and you're still putting it off. You won't be saved. One day, the Bible says, he that being often reproved and hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. To reject the greatest gift that God, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death, but the what? The gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're charged with a gift, every one of us, the most precious gift that we've ever received for all eternity. The gift of deliverance from hell and the gift of heaven forever and ever and ever, the gift of salvation. Paul, or rather Timothy, had this charge of this gift of salvation of, and uh, make your calling and election sure. Make sure that you live like a Christian ought to live that's been saved and born again. But then this charge, not only was he charged with the gift of salvation, but he was charged back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. He's charged with this gift of service. Look what it says in verse number 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Notice that Paul said he was put into the ministry. You don't, you don't go into the ministry, you're put into the ministry. God's the one that charges you and gives the gifts. The, gifts of, the gift of service. And I want to encourage every one of you in this room here, this morning here, I... Sometimes I liken the, the work of God, for lack of a better term, if we were using military terms, I'm the, I'm the general of Harvest Baptist Church. I sit in my, pallet, my white uh, ivory offices, so to speak. Uh, I had somebody come in and visit me yesterday. I'll just leave them unnamed, of course. Don't ask me after service, I won't tell you. Somebody came in out of the cold blue yesterday, which happens quite often, actually. They came in, they talked to me and so forth, and they tried to be on their best behavior, but they had, they had some problems. That's why they came to see me. And I get people on their, most of the time on their best behavior because they're with the preacher. But you folks are in, you are on the front lines. 
people at work tomorrow and at school tomorrow and at your job tomorrow, they probably won't be on their best behavior with you. They don't care if they're on your best, their best behavior with you. But you are, you say, I'm going to my occupation tomorrow. Wherever you go is your occupation. But you're going really, you may put 40 hours a week in wherever you put your 40 hours in that. That's your occupation. That's what occupies your time. But your vocation, your life calling is that you are called and you're charged with the charge of service. You're, it's your reasonable service, Romans 12, 1 and 2, to serve the Lord with the, your heart. And why I sit back and, as a general and don't get my hands dirty, so to speak, you guys, tomorrow morning, the fun begins uh, for many of you. And you'll be in the battle for the Lord, of course. And Timothy was charged with this gift of service. Spurgeon said it this way, uh, the great preacher of 100 years ago from London, England, don't, he told his preacher, boys, don't stoop to be the king of England when you could be a preacher of the gospel. Let your light so shine. You have beautiful feet, Romans 10, 15. Don't look down at your feet, some of you right now. You're, if you had no shoes on there, you'd say, my feet are ugly. Well, your feet, according to the word of God, are beautiful. If you take that charge seriously that your, your feet, uh, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, that gift of service, uh, Timothy was charged, that young man was charged with the gift of service, but not only the gift of salvation, the gift of service, but then verse number six of chapter one, notice there's a key word there, and it starts really in verse three, but it says verse number six, from which some having swerved, Timothy was charged with the gift not to swerve. In other words, be consistent in, what, in your belief system. Go back to verse number for for time's sake. Look what it says. It says, neither giving heed to fables and endless genealogies. The word fables is the Greek word muthos. We get our word myths from. Hey, there's a lot of myths out there today. Don't give heed to myths. I just, just popped in my head. I I'm going to say it. Young people, don't be confused. We're not science. New science is now teaching us true science, supposedly, is now teaching us that uh, you can't figure out the gender of a human being until years later. And your gender might change. We have a gender identity crisis in America. And we're told that you can't know whether it's a man or a woman, male and female. But the Bible says he, he created male and female, created he them. That's good enough for me. I, 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 science is settled as far as I'm concerned. But don't follow the myths. Vain janglings, it says. And then don't swerve in regards to getting off track on and believing some things that, that, uh, that, uh, the, that those that suppress or hold down the truth of the word of God want to do and believe and go after science falsely so-called. Notice verse number five. Now the end of the commandment is charity or love out of a pure heart. Timothy, keep your love. Don't swerve from loving Listen, 1 Corinthians 13, if you have all faith and can move mountains but have that charity, the Bible says you're nothing. Hey, keep your love. Love is a manly character trait. It comes from, the Bible says, God is love. And so keep your love. Don't swerve from that love. Don't get hardened. It says in verse number five, latter part of the verse, out of a pure heart and out of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned or an unhypocritical faith. And so we see this first charge that's given, 
First thing to know for Christian young men is to accept the charge. Don't do despite to the gift of salvation. Live like a Christian. Serve him, the gift of service. He's enabled us, putting us in the ministry, uh, who was before a blasphemer, Paul said, in verse number 13 of this text. But God put you in the ministry. He's enabled you, gave you a life calling. And then don't swerve like so many others swerve and, and straighten out those people. Teach no other doctrine than the, that which you've been taught. And uh, charge some that they be sound in the faith. So we have this charge. But then I want you to notice, secondly, look at Second Timothy. Go to the book of Second Timothy, please, one more time. Or for another time, I should say. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. He's talking to Timothy again. Therefore, thou therefore, my son, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice that a Christian young man is called to be strong. Uh, Warren Worsby, the commentator, the expositor, he writes of 1 Timothy. He puts it in the theme in one sentence. He calls it timeless tips to Tim and Timothy in troublous times. And Timothy was evidently a, maybe a man of small stature. He wasn't a so-called he-man. Paul was a little man physically, physically stature-wise as well. And, uh, but they were mighty men. And uh, Paul said to Timothy, be strong. The Lord said over and over again in Scripture, he says, fear not, be strong. When he gave the commission to a young man named Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, Four times in the first chapter, he said, only be thou strong and very courageous. Fear not, for I am with thee. And so the admonition to be strong. When you think of young men, you, th- you think of strength. Uh, we got a video yesterday. Bradley was in an all-day tournament. My, my 13-year-old grandson was in an all-day tournament yesterday. He wrestled eight times, eight different guys. We went four and four. I was so proud of him. We got, took third place in the tournament. And... Uh, uh, but uh, I, said, I talked to him late last night. He says, I says, are you sore? He says, oh, I can't know, Papa, how sore I am. I'm so sore. But uh, wrestling's a young man's sport. I promise you. It's not for us old guys, that's for sure. And uh, it takes every bit of strength out of you. I, I, was, I was watching. I didn't know how the video, they sent me a live video of him wrestling around the, on the and, and I didn't know if he was going to win or lose. Of course, he won. They showed me the video. They were one of the ones who won, of course, you know. And it's like, okay, Bradley, get him. Wrestling. And, and if you've ever wrestled, you guys that have wrestled, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, every ounce of your strength is used every second once you start to grapple with that, that other that opponent. And the Bible says in 1 John 2, verse 13, I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. In verse number 14 of that same chapter, it says, I have written unto you, young men, because ye are, ye are strong... And the word of God abideth in you. Timothy is strong in the word. Let me ask you this. How many men here are strong in the word of God? Oh, I trust everybody can say amen to that. And by the daily using of the word of God gets strength. That we not carried about with every wind of doctrine and sleight of men whereby they lay in wait to deceive. There's three ways that we stay strong. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And you know the three F outline, if you could. Look at verse number 11. It says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. If you're going to be strong, flee the world's wickedness. It really starts in verse number 7 in detail. 
For he brought nothing into this world and is certain we can carry nothing out. I always think of the guy with the bumper sticker on his big uh, Ford F-150 pickup truck or 350 pickup truck, whatever it is. He that dies with the most toys wins. You know, big boys have toys, you know. And I'm not against nice trucks. I'm not against nice fancy cars. I'm not against uh, uh, ATVs and, all terrain, or, and uh, boats. I'm not against any of that stuff. In fact, I want some of you to have it so I can enjoy it myself if you find me over. <laughs> I'm not against that stuff. But we brought nothing into this world and it's certain, it's a guarantee we're carrying nothing out. The Bible says, having food and raiment, verse number eight. And I'm, listen, I'm a pro-capitalist all the way, so let's just insert that right out, of the, right out of the gate. The more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. That was so good. Uh, I mean, I'd rather have than have not. But with that said, having food and raiment, let us there would be content. Wow. These, are, these can be convicting verses, and we'll look at it in weeks from, to come from now again in more detail. But notice this, flee the world's wickedness. 1 John 2 says it this way, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so flee, if you're going to be a strong man in Christ, you've got to flee the world's allurements. But secondly, back to 1 Timothy 6, it says in verse number 11 again, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow wholly the word of God. Follow after, notice the list. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Follow wholly the word. Everything that's said in the word. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. See, I want to remind you again, I've been going on for, I'm timing myself this morning. I've been going on for 23 minutes now. 24 minutes, I think, I started to go. And I'm trying to end early. I shouldn't tell you that, but I'm trying to end a little earlier this morning. First of the year. I want to bring you back next week here, of course. But some of you think this is a one-way endeavor. I preach, and you sit there and, pardon me, try to look intelligent. <laughs> try not to fall asleep on this boring preacher. I get it. I get it. But really, it's two-way. It's a whole lot easier to preach it than it is to live it. And God has called us to, the Bible says, that we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving our own selves. And so your work really begins the moment we said and all God's people say amen in a few minutes from now. You follow wholly the word of God. It's one thing to talk it, it's another thing to walk it. We get to that third F and it's found in verse number 12 of course, nice literated outline right in front of us here, verses 11 and 12, flee, follow, and if you're gonna be strong, fight the good fight of faith. By the way, just a, just a uh, pet peeve of mine, there are good fights. The Bible says so right here. The Bible says that thou mightest war a good warfare. There are good, there are just wars, so don't let a politician tell you differently. There, are, there is a battle between right and wrong. And all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. There's times that you have to go to war, and it's a good war. And war saves lives. Yes, you heard me correct. Thank you very much. And fight the good fight of faith. We're in the battlefield for the Lord. We're in the war for the Lord. We're in the battle for man's soul, the greatest battle that there's ever been. The battle for man's soul. Right now, I'm telling you, right now in this room, every single one of you, you got a little, he's a little angel up there. 
He's right. He's telling you the truth. Listen to him. You need to be saved. You got another angel up there, a demonic angel. He said, don't listen to him. Just, it's just religious gobbledygook. It's just talk. I'll, I'll just wait. I'm, uh, I'm young. I, can, I don't have to get saved. And you tempting God. And maybe one day you cross over God's deadline. And your opportunity to be saved will be passed for all eternity forevermore. There's a battle for your soul going on right now. There's a fight. Timothy's, Timothy was encouraged to fight the good fight of faith. And so every young man in this room, there's a charge to be had. A charge to not take your salvation lightly. A charge of service. A, a charge not to swerve from the faith once delivered to the saints. There's a, there's a second truth to be known, and that is be strong. Flee from the world. Follow after the word of God. Fight the good fight of faith. But then thirdly, just three things to know. Back in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse number 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to nonchalant men, or just uh, take it or leave it men, or just, no, not to unfaithful men, but to what? Faithful men. Be faithful. God calls us to be faithful. Uh, I was, when my relatives, I'll try to do this quickly, but last Monday, Sunday after the service, we took off quickly. Most of you know we went to Ohio. My father is failing in health, as you know, and, and close to eternity, close to heaven. And uh, so we got to see some relatives we've never seen before. Some, uh, some of my nieces and nephews, two of them, as a matter of fact, their new husbands and husband and wife, rather, obviously, and then the kids and so forth. We never met these folks and so forth. And I, I was mentioning to the new son-in-law, or rather nephew-in-law, whatever he would be to me, I, we were just having small talk, and I told him, uh, we, I found out he was a baseball fan, and I told him that uh, uh, we've had Bernie Carbo come to our church. You know, Bernie Carbo! He said, he said wait a minute, did I hear you? Do you had Bernie Carbo? I know Bernie Carbo. He's wearing my cell phone. Some of you don't know who Bernie Carbo is, but a lot of you do. You know, baseball lore legend, 1975 World Series, yada, yada, yada. He was impressed. Bernie Carbo. But I want you to know I'm personal friends with Donnie Adams. Now, you all know Donnie Adams, don't you? You're all looking at me weird now. Like, of course, I have no clue who Donnie Adams is. Well, let me tell you who Donnie Adams is. Donnie Adams is preaching at the Grace Baptist Church in Broadhead, Wisconsin this morning for, he's going on year probably 30 now. Donnie... He was a smart guy. I crammed four years of Bible college into five. He crammed four years of Bible college into 11. <laughs> he didn't want to go in debt. He was married, and he took 11 years to go through college. Broadhead's a real small town outside of Janesville, Wisconsin, and a population maybe 1,500 people. Smaller church than ours, of course, smaller community, Grace Baptist Church. He's been faithfully pastoring there for 30 years. Now, 20-some of those years, he worked at the local scrap yard full-time because the church couldn't support him. But Donnie's been faithful to the Lord for, he's four or five, three or four years, my senior now, 64, I guess he would be. He's been faithfully preaching the word of God for, for now these nearly 40 years now, 30 years as a pastor. He's found faithful not that Bernie Carbo, and Bernie Carbo got his name in lights when he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. 
But I want you to know that Donnie Adams shines as the brightness, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, shines as the brightness of the firmament. He's been found faithful. He was faithful in his youth, and now he's faithful in his old age. I want to encourage every young man to be faithful in your youth. 1 Timothy 4, just glance at the verse with me real quickly here. It says this. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, that's in lifestyle, in charity, or in love, in spirit, and in faith, and in purity. Live for God as a young person. Listen, you won't die right if you don't live right. Live for God when you're young. Start sowing the right seeds of righteousness and holiness. You'll be glad you did. I got a thousand stories, at least a hundred stories I could give you, probably off the top of my head if you wanted to stay here until five o'clock in the evening. Of people that I know, young men that started to sow seed wrong, went down the wrong path. Many of them are not here today. But be faithful in your youth. Be faithful, secondly, letter B on our worksheet. Be faithful in your prime or your middle years, your 30-somethings, your 40-somethings, in, in the prime years of your life. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3, and I just paraphrase, speaking about the deacon and the trustee, that they should not be novice. Novices, or let's lift up with pride. See, when you're a young man, you're in your rookie years. Then you go to your apprenticeship years. And then you go to your senior years. And be faithful in your, in your young years. Be faithful in your, your apprenticeship or your middle years, your prime years, where you have strength to serve the Lord. And then let her see, of course, be faithful in your old age. Revelation 2.10, many men start off well. Many Christian young men start off well, but they default. They become a castaway, 1 Corinthians 9.27. But be thou faithful unto death, and thou shalt give thee a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised. Paul was able to say in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is set up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me in that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. Think with me, don't tune me out yet. The story is told of Dwight David Eisenhower, the Allied Supreme Commander of World War II, the five-star general, that one day he was walking in, uh, maybe it was 1944 at the time, and he was walking with a group of generals, and uh, uh, if I understand the story right, a private burst out of a side building, and was acting kind of crazy and so forth, and the general just went ballistic on this general and or this this private and turned to General Eisenhower and said, "Those privates are worthless," and something to that effect. And General Eisenhower stopped him and he says, "Sir, let me remind you: if we win this war, it'll be won by the privates." And I want you to know that it's the privates, it's the men in, man in the trenches, the young man that does the work of God. So God has called us to, as young men, uh, if we're going to win the war, we need, young, young Christian men uh, will win the war if they, stay, stay, they heed the charge, if, if they stay strong, and if they're faithful. We're going to sing just in a moment here. In fact, you can turn there right now in your hymn book. Turn to 166 in your hymn book. And HBG. You see that in the top left-hand corner, H-B-G. He didn't want his name written. That's Howard B. Gross. Was born in Millerton, New York in 1851. 
He's died and he buried, he's buried up in Ballston Spa, New York. That's north of Albany in 1939. He uh, got gloriously saved as a young man. He was ordained as a Baptist preacher in 1883. He went on to pastor the First Baptist Church. It's still there today in Poughkeepsie, New York. From there he went to the First Baptist Church of Pittsburgh, New York. From there he went to the presidency of the University of South Dakota. From there he went to the uh, to professor of history at the University of Chicago. From there he went to the, to the, became the editor of the Watchman in Boston, Massachusetts, and the editor of the secretary of the American Baptist Home Missionary Society for some 23 years. He wrote, he was, became a very mighty preacher, but he's known probably the most for writing these words. He noticed when we first one of page 166 in our hymn book. Give of your best to the master. Give of the strength of your youth. Throw your soul's fresh, fresh glowing ardor into the battle for truth. Jesus has set the example. Dauntless was he young and brave. Give him your loyal devotion. Give him the best that you have. Tonight we'll be looking at our theme uh, and so much the more tonight will be on this.